right. We're in our third and final segment. We need to do comedy because, doggone it, we're just having too much fun. And let's kind of stick to the lighthearted, uh, amusing stuff, shall we? And what better repository to, to go for that sort of thing than the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader Series? We have had uh, Gordon Uncle John Javna on this program three times. As we noted the last time he was on, you've been on thrice. And we, we so seldom get to use that word. We'll have him back for a fourth time uh, sometime, I'm sure. But anyway, picking up someone at random from their many wonderful selections, I have the Uncle John's triumphant 20th anniversary bathroom reader, which is sort of apropos for the Humor Times 20th anniversary. And of course, uh, these books are filled with some great quotes, starting with a quote from Frank Lloyd Wright. I'm in favor of keeping dangerous weapons out of the hands of fools. Let's start with typewriters. (laughs) Or Werner von Braun. Research is what I'm doing when I don't know what I'm doing. Of course, an especially quotable guy was Ambrose Bierce, who uh, had some interesting definitions. The definition for positive was mistaken at the top of one's voice. His definition of revolution was an abrupt change in the form of misgovernment. (laughs) His definition of appeal in law to put the dice into the box for another throw. Here's one I like. Acquaintance. A person whom we know well enough to borrow from, but not well enough to lend to. And love. A temporary insanity, curable by marriage. Books are always good for some interesting stats, like, uh, for example, what world city has the most billionaires? Turns out Moscow with 33. Boy, the Cold War is over. Most populous city in the world, Tokyo, 34 million. I did not know that. Highest city in the world, Potosi, Bolivia, 13,000 feet. Lowest, Jericho, Israel, 1,000 feet below sea level. By odd coincidence, this correspondent has been to both. City with the most restaurants, Paris, with 8,000. And most costly city, Oslo, Norway. (laughs) I've experienced that firsthand. They ain't kidding. Joking with some Americans in Oslo, we said, figure what it would cost back home and triple it. And that's no joke. Anyway, they had a section here. We we're talking about, uh, about the U.S. and USSR space race. Apparently, there was a space race on television as well. The Russians apparently had their equivalent of Star Trek. It's apparently, in the late 60s, Russians could watch Komishkakaya Milicia, which translates either as Space Patrol or Cosmic Militia. Take your pick. It's generally translated into English as Cosmos Patrol. Noted Uncle John's uh, bathroom reader. You could say it's a lot like Star Trek, but it'd be more accurate to call it a ripoff. Consider the similarities. Cosmos Patrol takes place in the 23rd century aboard a large galaxy-cruising spaceship called the Red Adventurer. It's on a long-term mission of exploration on behalf of the Commonwealth of Independent Star Systems. Both ships encounter strange alien beings and bizarre celestial phenomenon week after week. Both ships boast a dashing commander at their helm with an overly intellectual first officer by his side. And both shows feature cheap special effects and odd velour uniforms. That's the book. Like much of Russian pop culture, the show oozed with sentimentality up to and including tearful folk songs and lengthy toasts to the intergalactic brotherhood of life forms. 
And when Comrade Commander faces a difficult decision, he sometimes asks for guidance from a bust of Lenin in the ship's wardroom. Man, that didn't survive the 20th century. <laughs> but here's the part I like best. Apparently the show was such a Star Trek clone that there was even a character called Ensign Chekhov. He was apparently there to provide comic relief with his tall tales, or Vranyo, as the Russians call them. They note that in about every, epi- every other episode, he would let rip with a surefire comedy catchphrase, I'd rather eat a Kvassian bivalve, and I have! But anyway, lest we poke too much fun at uh, Soviet television, how about this item from, uh, from a section called, What's Wrong With This Picture? Apparently back in 1959, the classic film about the uh, war crimes trials of Nazi officers, Judgment at Nuremberg, was first shown on American television. Answering the refrain, what's wrong with this picture, they point out that all references to the Nazi gas chambers were removed in the production at the request of the broadcast's sponsor, the American Gas Association. How about this item? In response to the Valerie Plame scandal in 2003, in which a presidential staff member leaked the name of a CIA operative to the media, President George W. Bush demanded an end to leaks of sensitive information by unnamed members of his administration. What's wrong with this picture? Well, it turns out Bush's demand was actually made to his staff in secret. The news was then subsequently leaked to the media by an unnamed member of his administration. It just just takes a little evoking of George W. Bush to think, hey, Obama's not that bad. Because we love, they always have sections called loony laws. Here's what I did not know. In Alaska, it's illegal to push a live moose out of a moving airplane. You know, that's just another example of government interference with individual freedom. No, just kidding. Actually, that seems like a very sensible law to us. That sort of thing just can't be permitted. You know, we don't have time for this. They've got a wonderful section here on the, the case of Billy Mitchell. We're going to bring back our aviation correspondent, Vladimir Zaravika, on this program and kind of, kind of talk through this one, I think. And from a category called, What Won't They Tax?, we have the following. On June 30th, 2006, the U.S. Treasury Department stopped collecting a 3% federal excise tax on long-distance phone calls. This was familiar to bill payers as one of a list of taxes tacked onto every phone bill. The purpose of that tax, why it was to help pay for the Spanish-American War in 1895. Phone service was so rare at that time, the tax was intended to impact only the wealthiest Americans, as is often the case. But the tax persisted long after the war ended, and virtually every American household ended up paying it. Said Treasury Secretary John Snow, it's not often you get to kill a tax. Well, <laughs> yeah, 108 years later. Hey, but who says they're never repealed? And turns out if you kept score on this, taxpayers could at the time have filed for a refund for the last three years the tax existed, but apparently not for the previous 105. No, we don't know how much they collected. Anyways, we wrap up here. <laughs> we cannot resist a section titled, Everybody's a Critic. Noted the book, even revered artists can get bad reviews. And some go out of their way to give them. Apparently, commenting on Rossini, Ludwig von Beethoven said, he might have become a great composer if his teacher had spanked him enough on the backside. The publication The London Critic had this to say about poet Walt Whitman. He is as unequated with art as 
as a hog with mathematics. One of our all-time favorites, Dorothy Parker, commented on an essay by Upton Sinclair by saying, As a piece of good taste, it ranks with that statue of the Milo Venus with a clock in her stomach. And finally, Chanteuse Ethel Merman described Cole Porter with the following. He sang like a hinge. There's no business like show business, like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing. This is delightful because it finally gives us a chance to go out with Ethel Merman. I know Mr. Mervillon is a huge, huge fan. All right, don't forget, 8.30 to 10 p.m. tonight, the Davis Graduate Comedy Binge. Next Friday, the 22nd, at the Coloma Center on T Street in Sacramento, the celebration of the Humor Times' 20th anniversary. That is so it for the show. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Our thanks to Will Durst, Jason Arminio, and Michael O'Connell. And you've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week for KDVS's annual Pledge Drive program. It goes without saying that we are counting on you, dear listener, for your support. We need it to keep bringing you the programming that you like on this station. So do what you can next week, and we'll see you then. The opening when your heart beats like a drum. The closing when the customers don't come. There's no business like show, business like no business I know. You get word before the show has started that your favorite uncle died at dawn. Your my have parted, you're broken hearted, but you go on. There's no people like show, people they smile when they are low. Even with a turkey that you know has fold, you may be stranded out in the cold, but still you wouldn't change it for a sack of gold that's